You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. A little delay there. <laughs> Well, speaking of a delay, Shane, we hope not to have too much of a delay here. We shared this news on the last podcast, but I just want to bring it up one more time in case uh, the listeners missed it on our Wednesday show. Uh, We got some beer koozies, Shane, so your little klachink there will now have a nice little (laughs) coaster because we got four different koozies. We got an orange, we got a black, we got a red, and we got a blue, and we're giving them away to the loyal listeners, Shane. All they got to do... Give us a five-star heart on Apple iTunes podcast, whatever the hell it's called. Screenshots, send us uh, evidence of that. Reach out to us on Twitter, Reddit, email that SEC podcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you a free koozie. Shane, how cool is that? <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'll tell you, my, my feet started blowing up this morning. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was like... If I'm getting these, I can only imagine how many mics get, you know. So I appreciate all the support. And you guys, uh, I mean, you're the reason we do it, man. Yep, and we've only got 100. We're about half out already. And uh, if we run out quick, I, I'll probably just order another 100 because I don't want anyone to go without them. But give us a rating and review. That really helps us out. And we just, we're just we giving you guys a little uh, bonus just for doing it, just to, just to say thanks. We really do appreciate all that. Absolutely. And all the Mississippi State fans, they're getting a bright orange one this week. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) All right, Shane. So our Thursday shows usually pretty slow. Not a ton of news going around the SEC, but we do got a couple things here. I want to call this a Wisdom Wednesday on a Thursday. (laughs) You ready to do it, Shane? Let's go around the league. Yeah, let's do it, man. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you 
start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shay, we got to start here. We're going to talk wisdom. We got to start with the master. Let's go down to Tuscaloosa. Roll time! Where old Nick Saban met with the media here on Wednesday evening, Shane. And, man, he was just dropping some knowledge left and right. I particularly, you know, a lot of times when these guys open their pressers, you know, they all kind of have a different way of doing it. Sometimes they just meander. Sometimes they talk about the opponent. Uh, but Nick Saban, in his opening statement here on Wednesday, Shane, this is some of the most uh, poetic stuff I've ever heard from an SEC coach here recently, <laughs> talking about discipline starts the moment you wake up. You know, obviously Alabama fans will appreciate this, but I think all SEC fans would appreciate this because if their players and their team and themselves even taking this approach to life, I think it's uh, I think it's the way to go. And then uh, I also thought this was really great. I don't know what got into Nick Saban here, Shane, but he was even willing to joke a little bit. Asked about old Jimbo Fisher, what he remembers working with him, and there was one clear thing that stood out to old Saban. <laughs> I think one of the most important things that um, you know players need to do when they're practicing, even like today, we've had a couple of really nice days. Today is a little warmer, whatever is your ability to maintain your focus even when you're practicing because it affects your preparation and your ability to focus helps your preparation so that when you get to the game and it's challenging to maintain your focus, uh, you can do it because you've practiced doing it all week even if it's a little bit of an adverse circumstance. You know, It's important to have discipline to be able to stay focused on what you do. You know, and a lot of people think that you get discipline on the field. I don't think you get discipline on the field. I think you start discipline starts when you get up in the morning. Can you do what you're supposed to do? You go do what you're supposed to do. You go to class. You do what you're supposed to do. You treat people right. right. You do all that. You're supposed to be someplace. You don't do what you feel like doing. You do what you choose to do, what you're supposed to do. So that carries over on the field. No different than do you develop strength on the field? No, you develop strength in the weight room, and then you take it to the field. Coach, I'm sure the open week's important for all the players, but when you have inexperienced linebackers, the amount of uh, freshmen and sophomores who are playing at those positions, those linebacker positions, what do you do over the open week? How, how much is teaching? How much is putting them out there and repping? What do you do with those guys? Well, we do as much as we can to try to you know, expose them to things that they have not seen before that they will see in the next three games. Uh, we spend a little more time on uh, this particular game. Uh, we spent a lot of time, probably an in, inadvertent, relatively speaking, amount of time to doing walkthroughs, um, 11 on 11 walkthroughs, so that you're getting a multitude of reps with these guys to see things without wearing them out and running them all over the place. Uh, so we've done extra meetings uh, to try to increase their knowledge. Um, and uh, ability to go out and feel confident in, in terms of what they're supposed to do. But there's nothing that you can do to teach experience. The only way you get that is to go do it. And the more experience these guys get, I think the better they'll play, uh, the less errors they'll make. 
And uh, because you get exposed to more and more things, then you're more comfortable to adjust to all those things. So it's, um, you know, you heard what I said before. I said it this morning, you know, AP classes, advanced placement. That's what we're teaching. It's a challenge to make an A. Those are hard classes, hard to make an A. But that's what we're trying to do. And these guys are working their tail off to try to do it. Hi, Coach. Do you have a specific memory or a story from when you were at LSU and Jimbo was on your staff? Just something that stands out to you about his personality or coaching style or a story? No, we, we, he, he was always on my noontime basketball league. Uh, he could shoot threes. He was a really good competitor, and we had a hell of a record. Hell of a record. Uh, did a, he did a really good job of coaching. Um, you know, I used to tell him, I said, you, you know, you, 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 you coach the quarterbacks like we coach the nose guard. You're really, really tough on them. But they responded well to him, and they respected him, and he did a great job of developing, you know, the quarterbacks as well. So, um, but my best memory is us, you know, winning in, at noontime. And, you know, he could talk a little stuff too, you know, to the other team, which he didn't learn from me, incidentally. All right, Shade. So, like I said, I just thought these clips were great. Uh, I particularly liked, like I said, that discipline talk. I think uh, I think we could all use that, particularly particularly on these Monday mornings, you know. But uh, I, I just thought this was great stuff from Saban. Mike, how much would you pay to see Jimbo and that new hip Saban just go at it one-on-one -on, -one on the basketball court right now? <laughs> well, you know Saban's just – He's a corner three guy at the moment because he he's not doing any uh, banging down by the boards. I don't think not with the new hip. No, he's he's all outside shot right now. But I, I bet he's got a hell of a follow through. The uh, also I wanted to point out, happy birthday, Jimbo. Today was Jimbo's birthday, and uh, I just thought we'd add a little bit of that to it because these two guys, you know, I just love the camaraderie that they have, and uh, you know, something we talked about on on past shows just a small network of guys you know they they a lot of these people have worked together at some point in their lives so it, it's just cool you know this is a big game but uh you know it's got a little history to it mm -hmm. only other you think jimbo's you think jimbo's gonna be talking to you trash on the sideline oh yeah you better believe it <laughs> i think that's the way to go you got to try to get in saban's head a little bit uh because clearly alabama's still the better team at this point Absolutely. I hope Jimbo's tweeting him, or not, he doesn't tweet, but uh, text him emojis all week long, just getting under saving skin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Only other thing here on Alabama, Shane uh, Saban noted that starting center Chris Owens, very questionable is how he called it. Doesn't sound like Owens is going to go. Any chance that affects Tua's rhythm in this offense? I mean, we all. You know, you overlook the center a lot of times, but, uh, I mean, he's the, the central part of that offensive line. Well, you know, something that's interesting about a center position is it's it's everybody. There's a sequence. There's, you know, don't be surprised if there's a few extra false starts or something like that, you know. It just depends on how, how loud it gets down there. But, you know, when you're, you're used to taking snaps from a certain guy – there's there's a learning curve, and I'm sure he's been getting plenty of reps this week, but it's different when you're on the road, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. <laughs> Kirby Smart met with the media here recently, and I thought this was some terrific stuff. You know, I understand I'm a big advocate for the players and their freedom, and 
when it comes to you know transferring and the and the transfer portal and all that. I I do I don't like how it all gets out you know as soon as these players get into the portal, uh, but that's not their choosing most of the times. It's usually what this is, Shane. Is uh, let's say someone from Georgia does enter the transfer portal, uh, maybe a coach from Tennessee will tell one of the media members for Tennessee, and then the Tennessee media is reporting, hey, a Georgia player's in the portal. <laughs> That's how it works. That's They want that information out there because they want Georgia to have to answer about it. They want people to know around the SEC, around the nation, that uh, you know, player from Georgia's thinking about leaving. It kind of benefits the other school. Mm-hmm. That, that's the only aspect I don't like of the transfer portal. And it's really easy, you know, to sit on the outside looking in and say, particularly these quarterbacks when they leave, you know, they're just they're just trying to go out for a better opportunity somewhere they can play. But I thought this was a really fascinating insight, a really honest insight here from Kirby Smart, because he was asked about the fact that even Georgia has to put up with this uh, basically on a year-round basis of, you know, behind closed doors, players kind of coming to Kirby and, and considering leaving. This is just the day and age we are now in college football where, you know, it used to be you get you have to recruit high school. You've always had to do that. But once once these players get to college, you kind of they're your guys. You don't have to recruit them anymore. (laughs) Well, these coaches have to recruit even their own players now. And uh, I just thought this was a fascinating insight on the fact that. Yeah, he's, he's pumping up Georgia. That's what he's going to do. Uh, but I think this is kind of a point that can be made all around the SEC. Uh, there's, a, there's a good reason for sticking it out and working with uh, you know, the strength room and the nutrition and everything all these schools have to offer. Uh, so I just really thought uh, this was kind of worth uh, a listen here. You have a lot of guys that could have looked elsewhere because of the depth chart earlier in their career that are now – you know, flourishing, contributing here. How often do you have that conversation with guys and people don't find out about it? All the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of college football now. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the most important things in a program now, in major college football, especially the major Power Five programs, is the support staff with which you're capable of hiring to support you and support your program and support these players. There's not one guy that comes in here that's not highly touted, not given a thousand accolades by all the media or, uh, I guess you could say, the, the recruiting sites. So they go through trials and tribulations of realizing that they have work to do. And the people that have to support them here are so key to our success. There's probably 20 guys on the staff who sat down with 30 or 40 different players and explained that your best option is here, your best option is now. We had a general manager come in and talk and talk to the players about development. You're gonna develop better at Georgia where you got nutrition, weight room, uh, unbelievable coaching staff, support staff, facilities, better than you are by going somewhere else that you might not have those facilities. You're also gonna develop better here than you are in the NFL because they don't run a developmental league. They only have a 53-man roster. So they can't develop players, they cut them. There's no, there's no like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to develop you for later. You're going to be better off staying here and working and getting better so that you're a better player when you do go to the NFL because the whole key is that you make it. 
And uh, we, we sell the players on that, that they're going to develop. We, we practice every kid out there. Our threes took reps today to get better. So we're always looking at, okay, what's best for every player on our roster, and then also what's best for our team, and we're trying to manage those two things. All right, Shane, and then one thing I didn't mention there, but something that Kirby mentioned that is also fascinating, you know, all these players, and I don't blame them because the NFL carrots out there and there's so much money to be made, you know, as soon as they start hearing that uh, the NFL is a realistic opportunity, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of them want to make that jump, and I certainly don't blame them, but as Kirby says here, if you're not fully developed, Shane, uh, the NFL ain't going to develop you. They do not have time for that. That's, that's such a business, and we've seen that with uh, a guy like last year. Remember Florida uh, defensive end edge rusher Ja'Kai Polite? Yeah. I mean, he was all over these first-round mocks. I think he got it in his head that he was an elite player. He was not uh, clearly not ready for the NFL. I believe he was drafted in the second round. He's already been cut. He got picked up by a second team, cut from them. I mean, the NFL is not going to wait for you. So it's easy for these college coaches to say, you know, stick around until you get fully developed. But uh, this is something that uh, I think all the players, they really need to consider before they make uh, their decisions. Absolutely. And and you hear more and more stories like this. And, I, I mean, you're trying to benefit the student athlete. And also, I, I think they're deep down inside, you want your team to have a, a returning starter, of course. But – you know, you don't want – nothing's worse than having this this kid, like Polite. We're using him as an example to go up here uh, to make all this money and then get cut. And, and now you can't – you can't say – you can't sit back and say, hey, we put this guy in the NFL. Yeah, you did for a year. You know what I'm saying? When he could have developed a little bit longer on that team and who knows, like you said, been more prepared for the NFL when he went in there. And that's what – benefits both the school and the student you know that when they get up there and and make the money and have a long career with the nfl so these little stories right here i'm sure the coaches are using it when these players are thinking about going um this is just you know plus just one guy out of many uh, but then on the flip side you see guys like um uh, Brian Herrion, you know, this, here's a senior, mm-hmm. I mean, at Georgia and, and at running back of all positions where they're so deep and they've got all these, all this talent, you know, somebody just stuck around and, and is completing his education there at Georgia and, and probably is going to get an opportunity to play in the NFL because he's proven everybody. I mean, if he would have attempted to do it last year, nobody would have took him. But what he's been able to do this season, there may be a team that does take a chance on him late in the draft. So, you know, it's just – it's a game that they're always playing. And, uh, you know, it's just – the last thing you want to do is just leave too soon because you only get one shot when you enter, you know. Mm -hmm. Speaking of being developed by Georgia, Shane, another, you know, player that's really taken a huge step forward this year, Monty Rice, the outstanding linebacker. I know this was a heated battle. Georgia won over LSU. I know it was was involved there. I think he was even committed to LSU at one point, but Georgia got him back, obviously got him on campus, and he's come a long way. He's one of the defensive leaders there for the Bulldogs. And this is a clip you found, shared with me, and it kind of goes hand in hand. And not exactly what Kirby was talking about, but a little bit. I mean, this is a guy that, that had worked in the system, worked hard in the offseason, now he's seeing that pay off. And he's just the next in a long line of Georgia Bulldogs uh, thriving on the field. Monty Rice, I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, and I play inside linebacker at the University of Georgia. 
Well, I remember I was at Lincoln Elementary. We had this dude named Thor. He got all the kids from different neighborhoods, asked them if they wanted to play football. And I had never played football, I was nine. So I was like, yeah, sure. And then later on, he came and picked me up from practice and I've been playing ever since. My family didn't have a lot growing up, but my mama, she worked a lot of jobs. Even when I saw her at the lowest point, she never gave up. So that's one thing I carry with me every day. Even when my cousin died, I love him like he was my brother. It was hard for me to like, you know, keep going with football and all for handling adversity. I just always remember my mama never gave up. Last year, my sophomore year, my first time starting in the Georgia-Florida game, and I lined up in the wrong gap, being young, being a little hyper, and me and Leah, we forced a fumble. On the ground, Scott with a first down, but the ball came out, and Georgia's got it going the other way. It's Monty Rice that knocked it out. At that moment, I was like, dang, like, I'm actually competing at these top schools and I hold my own weight. Sometimes it's surreal to me to look on TV and when they talk about Georgia football, I forget that I'm a part of that team when I'm watching it on TV, it's just surreal. So it's huge to have people follow you because sometimes there's good players that nobody will follow them. I'm just blessed to be able to have an impact on the younger people. Anybody that know me know if I'm with you, I'm with you. Whether you're right or wrong is what it is. Hey man, this is Monty Rice, one of the goofiest people you ever know. I got him in a choke right now though. It's all me. <laughs> all right, Shane. So that was a pretty cool clip. And like I said, it's not exactly what Kirby was going with here, but it's close. I mean, who knows? Monty Rice, maybe he may have struggled <laughs> when he got there and thought, hey, maybe I should have went to LSU. But you stick it out. You follow the plan. And uh, if you do what you're supposed to, I mean, great things can happen for you. Absolutely. Because you're not no one cares about you as much as they do in college, man. I mean, they've got these facilities, they're state of the art facilities. In fact, you hear a lot of pros when they're in the off season come back to these colleges to work out because yeah. this is like the this is it, man, you know. So talk about teams like Kentucky being developmental schools, but you know, Georgia and places like Alabama, they're still developmental school. It's just a lot of these guys are jumping early to the NFL, but while they're there, they take advantage of that system down there and they get better, man. I mean, they, these guys, if you look at some of these players from just the start of the season to the end of the season, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the growth that they have. Mm -hmm. Last thing on the Bulldogs, Shane, I just thought this was great. I wanted to share this uh, with the listeners, anyone that's going to this uh, South Carolina game, and even South Carolina fans, this, they'll certainly appreciate this. But uh, I saw there's a Georgia fans are trying to organize a Helensky Hope tribute. And for obviously South Carolina fans know what that is, but uh, for the rest of the SEC, uh, obviously Ryan Helensky, their starting quarterback, his brother committed suicide. Uh, he was former Washington State quarterback, and now the family has started up a foundation called Holinsky's Hope, where they, you know, really try to uh, help people with uh, suicidal thoughts and, and things of that nature. And at the start of the third quarter of every game, they hold up three fingers for his fallen brother. There, Georgia fans are planning to do that, even though it's in Athens. And this is uh, obviously the second time Georgia fans have organized to do something. Remember the uh, Arkansas State coach, they all wore the pink. Yeah. And you just really like to see stories like this. And, uh, you know, when Georgia's having so much success, it's pretty cool to see that uh, these fans are handling it in a classy way. And you just it's hard not to root for them when you see stuff like this. Absolutely. It seems like it's every week these guys, you know, they're they're doing the right thing. 
and you know football sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the moment and you know in october here we you know it's the thick of football but you know there's bigger things out there and and this is a great tribute and uh i i hope i mean even if it saves one life mike you know it's well worth it Mm -hmm. all right shane let's jump on down to gainesville Continue this uh, Wisdom Wednesday on a Thursday, <laughs> but I just caught this clip. Just uh, this is Todd Grantham speaking here. I just thought this was fascinating. Uh, years and years ago, twenty years ago to be exact, in 1999 through 2001, Grantham was a defensive line coach with the Indianapolis Colts. Who, of course, Peyton Manning was a young quarterback back in those days, and that was back when uh, the Colts could not get over the. You know, the final bump there in the road, it was the New England Patriots. My God, Shane, 20 years ago, the (laughs) Patriots are still doing it. But back then was kind of the start of the Patriots dynasty, and it was that 3-4 defense that was always giving Peyton Manning fits. And I just thought this was uh, fantastic that uh, Todd Grantham, even though that was so long ago, that's stuck in his head, uh, what he learned having to prep – with Peyton Manning, essentially. I mean, you know, they go head-to-head and practice every day and study in the Patriots film. I just thought this was a great clip of basically Todd Grantham explaining how Peyton Manning influenced his coaching style that uh, he still runs today. Does being able to move where that fourth rusher comes from help make it look a little more exotic than No doubt. Is? I mean, I was with Peyton Manning for what, three years, and he never could beat the Patriots for a long time. And I'd sit there and practice and watch, and he never could figure out where the fourth rusher was coming from, and it really bothered him, you know. But when we played four-down teams, he'd start dialing it up and could tell the scout team, you're wrong, you should be here, you should be there. And he knew pre-snap where to go with the ball. So once I saw that, I was pretty sold on what you needed to do. But, but does that only work when you, can, when you have guys who can win those well, one-on-one matches? Yeah, it still gets down to most teams offensively, you're just not going to get a guy free. You know, you're still trying to get the one-on-one matchups in the rush. Uh, so anytime you have good players rushing like we have, um, that allows them to maybe get a little bit more on the edge of a guy or get a little bit ahead of the guy to allow them to be effective in their rush to get the pressure. And then the other thing with the rush is the coverage. Um, We've got some good guys in the back end that are creating tight coverage because a lot of times guys won't throw the ball and there's tight coverage, they'll hold it. And so when they hold the ball and you have good rush, it really becomes, you know, a team thing because the coverage is allowing us to get the sacks too. Like the, the, when Bo got the minus 20 some yard, that was really a coverage sack. You know, and, and really the secondary did a good job of kind of showing one thing. Yeah, because only one guy got through, and then yeah, the two, t- the two right. guys on the edge and then, had time. And if, if you go back and look, it was really the coverage and the look. And, you know, he kind of locked in on a certain side, and we kind of took that away, and there's nowhere to throw the ball, and guys kept coming. So I think it's a combination of relentless effort in your rush. Uh, do have some guys that can win the one-on-ones, but then – the back-end coverage of being able to play tight. All right, Shane, when Grantham puts it out like this, it makes you wonder why anyone would be running anything but this type of system, doesn't it? Absolutely, man. The the GOAT, if you ask me, Peyton Manning having trouble picking up the defense, not knowing where that fourth man's coming from. You know, that's just – that's that's one thing that I'll, I admire 
uh, especially still, like you said, still today with the Patriots defense, it just seems like, man, they just, they always find a way to get pressure and come up in big moments. And, and that's what they're going to have to have this week. You know, they're going to have to, to get Joe on his heels and they're going to have to have him confused. And if, if Peyton Manning had a hard time, you know, adjusting to your defense. And I'll tell you, man, Florida is – that's one thing they've had, man. Their defense is legit. Mm-hmm. And when they come in there, it just feels like there's always pressure on the quarterback. And so do they rattle, Joe? I don't know. But uh, it's going to be hard to film study if the great Peyton Manning can't study for it. Exactly. So that's going to be one hell of a matchup here. And obviously game of the week. We'll hit on more of that next episode. But uh, that's something that uh, Joe Burrow and and that offense, they're going to have to be well aware of on Saturday. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Lexington. I just thought this was pretty neat. This was a a little, uh, we don't have a clip because it was on the uh, SEC coaches teleconference and the audio from that is just horrible. It's, it's the coaches on a phone line. But I just thought uh, fans would appreciate this, that uh, obviously Kentucky hosting Arkansas this Saturday. And this is going to be the game where Kentucky is planning to honor Jared Lorenzen, who tragically passed away during the offseason. And it was back in the 2003 Arkansas game, went into seven overtime. Shane tied for the longest game in college football history. The Razorbacks won that one 71-63, but still a terrific performance from Jared Lorenzen in that game. And I just thought it was kind of cool that uh, because they're honoring Lorenzen, Mark Stoops noted that he showed his team, you know, the highlights of that game, wanted them to be well aware of that seven-overtime game and Jared Lorenzen's performance heading into this matchup, heading into Saturday where they plan to honor him. Uh, I just thought that was a, a really cool move there by Mark Stoops. Yeah, for sure, man. And I think this is – this is going to be good for Kentucky. Um, yeah, they needed a hard reset, and I think this bye week helped them. And now they've got, they've got just an extra chip on their shoulder. You know, you always see this when they're trying when they bring in somebody. You know, they had Emmett Smith down there in Florida last week. You know, mm-hmm. that may have been a little bit extra, but you know, you got one of the greats and tragically passed away. You know, you're playing for that legacy. They're always – that Jared Lorenz's family is always going to remember this game. So, if it's just a little extra mustard that they need in the locker room, uh, maybe maybe that's what that's what this team needs. You know, they need a little fire under them. So, uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the family out there and the tributes that come out with this game. You got to win it for Jared. You got to, man. The hefty lefty, son. <laughs> All right, final thing here I've got, Shane. Tennessee, let's jump on down to Knoxville. Tennessee, where Jeremy Pruitt announced that Brian Maurer is indeed going to start. You know, I don't think there was really much of a mystery there, but it's kind of interesting that uh, they're just kind of being so clear about it, whereas Mississippi State's kind of guarding the fact of who they'll play. Just wanted to get your thoughts, Shane, on Brian Maurer and uh, how you think he's going to perform with uh, yet another week of prep under his belt. Because, uh, I mean, I think if the first half Maurer shows up, Tennessee's going to win this game. If second half Maurer shows up, <laughs> I mean, the Vols, I don't think they got a shot. So, uh, I don't, just what are your thoughts on the freshman? <sighs> I think they, 
they don't need to rely on him. I'll tell you that. This thing shouldn't come down to a, a Brian shootout like it did last week. This needs to be a little bit more two-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And uh, something we've not been able to do is get the running game going. And I think that had a lot to do with not being able to get the passing games on. So I, I, th- I do think they go hand-in-hand. Hand. So maybe – uh, taking a couple of shots early in the game to stretch this field. And if they can get some sort of running going, I think that's just going to help your freshman quarterback out that much more. Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. That's that's something I know they probably didn't have much faith that they could run it on Georgia, but they didn't really give Maurer any help last week. Just, I mean, they basically threw it, I'd say, eight out of ten times. <laughs> Absolutely. It just felt like it was just a shootout. So you can't have that Mississippi State. You know, Mississippi State – also has the ability to uh, chew that clock up, you know. With mm-hmm. I think I think Hill, you got to you, you really got to key in on him. I, I know a lot of people are worried about the quarterback, but uh, I think this game comes down to Mississippi State's running game. If Tennessee's able to stop that, which they've really struggled against the rush this year, but if they are and and have you heard anything about the quarterback down there? I mean, has anybody anything came out yet? Nope, they're not saying it. They're not saying a damn word, Shane. They're saying they're both good. They're both ready, but uh, they know who they're going to start. But they're not telling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, smoking Joe at it. (laughs) All right, Shane. So that's all I got around the league here. I know you had something before we jump off here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I got some reviews. Uh oh. Here's the deal with these reviews, Mike. Uh, And first off, I appreciate everybody taking the time to do it. They have jumped up uh, quite a bit, but for some reason it takes a, a minute to post on the iTunes. Mm-hmm. So um, I've, I think I've got like ten that's not listed here. But oh, so okay. we'll probably have them on tomorrow's show. Uh, but I want to go ahead and read the ones that we do have. The first one comes from Inch by Inch Talking Football with Buddies, five star. Great SEC podcast. These guys are like listening to your friends talk football over a few beers, except they're funnier and actually know what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Inch by inch, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for that one. Absolutely. Uh, The Cool Tyler, five star from a big Orange Vols fan to another. Hey, guys, I enjoy listening to your podcast every day on the way to work. I can tell you both know and genuinely, genuinely, Ooh, Mike, you get me with them big words. Care <laughs> what's talking, what talking about, and I really admire that. Please keep up the good work. I know it'll pay off soon. God bless and go Vols. Well, the cool Tyler, big orange ball nation, appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for that one. All right, next one, Jay Witt, nine twenty five, worth a listen, five star. These two guys are easy and fun to listen to. It's very factual. They are apolitical. And a refreshing sports commentary. It's a weekly update and a preview. Well, Jay Witt, and I know Jay Witt. Jay Witt threw that word in there because he knew I'd have trouble with it. This is one of my buddies I grew up with. And Witt, I appreciate you, and I owe you one. <laughs> yeah, Shane, you really nailed that on the first try. Thanks, man. This one comes from Alan Mac 11 Awesome podcast. Five star. Listen to the podcast almost every day. The guys give the most unbiased, comprehensive review of the entire league, even them dang Gators. Keep up the good work. Dogs on top. Well, Alan Mack, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, dude, that game's going to be crazy. All right, this one here, this last one, Mike, comes from HB 
HDB123. These guys do a great job. Five-star. Fair and unbiased decision of the SEC football. I listen to four SEC podcasts, and they are the only one that puts a pot out every day. I feel sorry for Shane with his perpetual state of vol football. Great pod. Thanks for doing it. Well, HDB, I appreciate you. I hope you didn't write that same review for all the podcasts, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little poddultery there. <laughs> that's, hey, that's part of our charm, man. We're coming at you every day, and uh, that we're putting in the work. We're doing it for you guys, so appreciate uh, all that love, all those written reviews. And if uh, you want to join in like everybody else, get yourself a koozie. Have you a beer, but uh, keep your beer cool and your hand warm. <laughs> Hit us up with a five-star heart, and uh, we'll get one out your way. Remember that. So, uh, yeah, we just really appreciate uh, all the listeners. We really want to uh, thank you guys for listening in. And like you said, there could, there's plenty of other podcasts out there. We don't trash them by any means. We support them too, but uh, we, we really enjoy uh, the fact that you guys choose us. Absolutely. Apolitical. And we're apolitical, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chad, I think that's going to do it for this one. Uh, we got uh, some great games to break down on tomorrow's show. Really looking forward to that one. Of course, uh, we'll be giving you not only the picks, but uh, parlays, locks of the week. Uh, we're, we're really on a roll there, so you may want to fade <laughs> us on that one, but uh, we'll st- we're still giving it to you. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm just ready for another weekend of uh, SEC action here. Dude, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Just a full slate of games. So, um, I, and I'm also thinking that this is the week I get a little lucky in the gambling department, Mike, because I've got some insight. We'll get to that and much more tomorrow. Yeah, I'm hoping we finally see some uh, some big upset, Shane. I don't know about you, but oh man, it seems me like, too. Seems like we've been devoid of that, not only uh, in the SEC but nationally. We got Alabama on the road. We got Florida on the road. Obviously, uh, some other big games. I, th- I think they, you know, it seems like upsets come more often on the road. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm just hoping, I'm not saying I want those teams to go down by any means, but I just want something exciting to happen. You know what? Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. It's just like, it's almost predictable, and I don't like that. I like when a, a team, I mean, because we looked at the Auburn-Florida game, and that really was a coin toss game. It could have gone either way. Some folks were even picking Florida to win. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's nobody picking South Carolina to win. There's nobody picking Texas A&M to win. You know, so is, 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 it, is this the week? Is this the week Missouri goes down? You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of great games on here, and there's a uh, – who knows? This, this could be a wild weekend, Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for it, Shane. So uh, thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. To California with the gun named Joe Cause he makes Benjamin's rain from the sky It's a thirst I just can't quench It's an itch I just can't scratch
with this day and age, they are un, they are. Jeez, Mike, we got one here. They are Apollo. Gee, man, why am I reading these? You, you know, wanna, I just, you want to spell it out, Shay? Yeah. They are apologetic. Nah, political. A p o l i t i c a l. A political. A political. Uh-huh. They are a political. Uh huh. Golly, that means Whip. that means we do not talk politics. <laughs> oh, Mike, is that what that word means? Huh? Word yeah. for the day, right there, Mike. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> let's try. Let's try that again. They are a political. Okay, okay. I I got it. I got it. So I just add an A to political. I got it. Yes, sir. 